You're listening to It Doesn't In Here. I'm uh, Jennifer. I'm in my 30s. I'm a mom. I'm originally from the Midwest, and uh, this is the first time I've ever really told my story out loud to anybody other than just like family or close friends. What has made you want to tell your story now? I I mean, I came to Christ through all of this, so I'm a born-again believer, and this kind of projected me in a position to be so vulnerable and outside of myself to realize like I don't have the answers and there's something much bigger here that I must have been missing. I grew up in a pretty small rural town, maybe a thousand people. I had a lot of siblings. I grew up kind of a traditional family and so I got to see some more of the traditional roles in my teens, my parents got divorced and it really kind of rocked my my world a little bit, kind of changed some of the trajectory of what I could see myself doing in the future as far as like college or, you know, going straight to work. And I ended up meeting my first husband. And I say first husband because I did get divorced, <laughs> unfortunately, which I think is a pretty big statistic here. What like 50, 50, 60, 40, At least 60, like 40 now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, which is something that I never wanted to repeat after seeing, you know, what my parents went through and everything and how much it really changed our family dynamics. But I met this guy. He was incredibly intelligent and he was in the military. And so when we met, there was kind of a time limit, like I'm going to go off and um, if we're going to do this thing, like let's do it. So I ended up getting married at 19, straight out of the gate, one year of college under my belt and then straight into relationship and then relationship straight into marriage. And then obviously it was really quick uh, and I didn't really have a firm foundation on what one would look for marital wise. I was like, oh, we move in together, we live together, we we coexist. If we can ex- can stand each other uh, living together, then obviously marriage is like the next step. Because he was in the military, we didn't spend a lot of time together. I think he was deployed that first year, like 300 days out of, you know, 365. So didn't really build much. And then at the end of his military career, you know, I started what started out at 19 is now we're both 25 and 30. And we realized that we had completely different views of what a marriage was supposed to look like. I wanted children and a house and he wanted to go out and party and date, I guess, because he ended up dating a girl that was 
20 at the time. There was like a 10 year difference, but they were like on the same mentality as far as like what they wanted to do. Unfortunately, he filed for divorce. And then once one party decides to file, I mean, there's not much you can do after that other than, you know, sign the the papers. I don't really know of many people who have fought (laughs) a divorce and like, you know, convinced the other person legally to stay (laughs) to stay especially because you guys had really not like a normal marriage he was gone a lot and then the infidelity Mm -hmm. came in it's kind of like what are you saving i mean we were not good husband and wife but it really did catch me off guard the infidelity because we were good friends so even though we were terrible to each other like as a husband and a wife i mean we showed up for each other like at military softball games and you know, we were there for each other through graduations and military awards. So um, that came out of left field. It was kind of like, oh, I want a divorce. And by the way, I've been seeing somebody for eight months, you know, and it was just like, whoa, okay, so this really is over. And there's like nothing I can do about it. So how did you heal from that relationship? And you know, what kind of happened going forward? I mean, I didn't. (laughs) So um, I kind of went into like a depression. I gained 35 pounds. My house at the time was, we had purchased it together, but I had paid like the down payment and stuff. So he graciously moved out and said, okay, now you can fix it up and find a way to sell (laughs) sell it. Um, And so... (laughs) I worked on that for eight months by myself. And when we sold it, he did take half of the proceeds. And I didn't really have any fight left in me. I just didn't have it in me. I was so shocked from what was going on. And then I was so like pity party. I'm the only person who's ever gotten divorced. I'm the only person who's ever been cheated on, you know, like super dramatic. You know, I spent eight months on that. And then my friends were like, okay, you have done nothing but work on a house go to work and take care of your dog for the last eight months. Like we need to go out, we need to do something. And then I found myself at 26 years old, back in the party scene, back at the bars, back downtown, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, even, you know, day drinking on Sunday. It was, it was just a terrible, awful, out of control spin that I couldn't stop. Finally, I realized this is extremely sickening and maddening. You're repeating the same mistakes over and over again. There's got to be something better. You know, there's got to be something better than this. I decided then, okay, I'm going to move. I've got a friend. She lives in California. I'm going to get a job and move, move in with her and her significant other at the time, get on my feet and just start over. Women have started over in their 30s before, like, I can do this. And at the time, I didn't really feel like there was like a clock ticking or anything like that. But on a subconscious level, I must have because I hit the ground running in California. It was like, lose the weight, get a good job, find a quality, you know, man to get married to and have babies and have that perfect, you know, white picket fence life. Even then, I was trying to control it back to the center. And so that's kind of, I mean, I guess that's how I healed 
no healing at all. <laughs> like, yeah, it's almost like you you kind of went through depression and then you went through revenge bod. You were yes. like, okay, I'm done with the depression. I'm ready to, you know, get back on my feet. Yeah. Well, and it changed my whole personality too. I went from being like, that girl that was very into like Victoria's Secret and Pink and the Desperate Housewives and all that stuff to like super crunchy and into hiking and I'm going to make my own granola and I'm going to like clear all the toxins out of all. I mean, I didn't realize it, but I was looking for like a spiritual awakening. I was just looking for it in like a personification instead of God, you know, like it was like, okay, like there's this hole here. I got to fill it with something, you know, like, I, like I'm missing a piece. Like, does this piece fit? Does that piece fit? Let's try this piece, you know? So, and I kind of did that for the guys that I started dating after too. Like if I swiped right on Tinder, it was like, oh, he's kind of emo. Oh, I'm kind of emo, you know, like, oh, this guy's, he likes, you know, outdoorsy stuff. I love mountain biking. <laughs> No, <laughs> like, no, <laughs> I did not. I didn't like any of those things. <laughs> You're trying to kind of like form to them, maybe yes. to like have a common interest or something. Right. I kind of get that. Yeah. It was, especially if they're really cute. You're like, I mean, I could like hiking. Yes. No problem. Yeah. I'll, I'll walk three miles and sweat through my shirt if that means this is the person, <laughs> you know. <laughs> How long was it before you met somebody? I met, and what are we going to call him? My best girlfriend in the whole world, I've known her for going on 20 years now, nicknamed him the first night that we met Jersey. He reminded her of the cast of the Jersey Shore. Oh. So, yes, like a cast member from the Jersey Shore. I love it. Yeah. Every girl listening, it's like you don't even talk about dudes by their first name. You give them fake names. You give them nicknames. Yes. <laughs> okay, so we're going with Jersey. So I met him early in the summer because I have a summer birthday like on my 27th birthday. My girlfriends decided, okay, we're in California. Like there's a good scene down here. You're the responsible girl. You're the um, you're the one who takes care of everybody. So like we're going to take you out and it's going to be epic, like absolutely epic. And so I was like, all right, let's go. Um, and I, I met him that evening in a bar. It was quite the meat cue. Is that what it's called? Like meat, meat cute? The meat cute. Yes. He basically just came out of the blue. I mean, he was very tall and dark and handsome, you know, check, check, check. He was an extremely, had an extremely outgoing personality, you know, was flirtatious right from the beginning and not just like, like he was flirtatious with me in a flirty way, but he was also like mesmerizing to everybody that was in the group. So, I mean, he like gave each person like little nicknames and he bought rounds of drinks for everybody. And I wasn't drinking. I mean, um, it's kind of funny. It was my birthday and I ended up driving everybody home. So <laughs> I thought this yeah. was supposed to be um, your night to get crazy. You it was. And I mean, I, I guess I was just I was over it. And I didn't realize that I was over it. You know, like, I, I thought I wanted to go out and be crazy and continue. But when I got there, I just wanted to dance. Like I just wanted to dance with my girlfriends and laugh at them. And honestly, to be completely honest with you, like, 
I wasn't even really looking for a guy at that point, was kind of starting to heal. I was kind of getting the pieces together and realizing like, okay, you made a lot of really bad choices and those choices have consequences and you've got to do something different, you know? And so I just wanted to have a good time. But I could tell he really wanted to have a good time. I mean, at first, I even was like, well, maybe this isn't the person for me, because it seems like he's very into the party scene. He kind of followed us from like, we would run into him from bar to bar to bar. So like we had hit three or four different places. And either he was there before we got there, or he was like there shortly after, Mm, like we were there. Okay, Interesting. Right. (laughs) So how was your first date with him? It almost wasn't a first date. He was very persistent. So he started texting like immediately the next day. And it was just like, oh, you're different. Like you weren't even drinking. Um, That's so awesome. You know, you're so awesome. Like, what do you do? Like, that's great. I mean, it was just a very persistent, like, I would say chase almost. And I kind of was put off at first a little bit, you know, like this, this is a lot, this is a lot right away. But he finally kind of hit all those right checks again, because he, it was like, you know, my sister's getting married. My other sister is having a baby with her husband, like I'm ready to settle down. I'm ready to be a father. I'm ready to get married. And it was like, okay, well, maybe, maybe that was just a bad night. Like maybe he was cutting loose too, and I have the wrong impression. So he arranged a date at a very nice Italian restaurant, which is kind of funny because it, it kind of personified even more that whole Jersey Shore, like. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It comes from a good Um, Italian family. Right. I mean, he, and he was from the North. So he did have that very, like the, the same like Jersey accent. Yes. And it was a really like nice first date. I mean, he made an astonishing first impression. He, uh, asked me a lot of questions about me. I mean, what do you like to read? What's your favorite kind of wine? What's your favorite kind of food? What what shows do you watch? Are you religious? Are you not religious? I'm Catholic and this is why. I mean, it was a very well put together conversation. And I was honestly impressed by it. You know, I would normally end a date at that time pretty early. Like if I knew that It wasn't going anywhere. Like if I met a guy on a dating site and he was like, oh, yeah, I just like to see naked girls, you know, Mm. I'd be like, "Okay, well, (laughs) great. Like, I'll see you later, you know, (laughs) thanks for for the meal, you know, or whatever. But um, it wasn't like that. And then afterwards, he asked if we wanted to go get ice cream. And I said yes. And so we continued to talk for like three hours. And the best part about it was is he wasn't pushy. Like he didn't try to like hold hands or really like be super affectionate. It was, I really want to get to know you because I have long-term goals here. And that was really attractive, you know? So after that first date, I kind of went home and went to my girlfriend, like this might actually be the guy, you know, this could be the person. Oh my gosh. Wow. I mean, especially coming off of your marriage and how it kind of ended, you know, to have somebody mm-hmm. who's extremely interested in you and giving you all that attention, like I would probably feel the exact same way. Yeah. And I mean, I would ask him questions about himself and he would always kind of direct the conversation back to me. 
At first, I mean, he was very, he would have said intentional, I'm being very intentional with what I'm trying to, to put across here. This is important to me. And so I didn't take it as love bombing or like out of the ordinary. I just thought, oh, this is what a guy looks like when he's invested. He's invested. He wants what his siblings have. He wants to grow up. He's done. He's like sown all his wild oats and he's ready to settle down. But yes, it was quite intense. We probably, we went on so many dates (laughs) and they were They were like high adrenaline dates. We went like water skiing together. We did skydiving together. We, uh, you know, I mean, it was like, it was intense. We did paintball. Like, I mean, he was very creative and spontaneous, it seemed. Which is kind of fun because that's always childlike energy. Everybody he was around, they were just in awe of how bigger than life he was. He was this like very charming, over the top, funny, good looking guy, you know? I mean, it was like being in the room with George Clooney or something, you know? Like everybody's eyes were on him no matter what we were doing. I felt lucky that somebody that charismatic would be into somebody as whatever, as me. You know, I thought, wow, this is what did I do? (laughs) Like, it was overwhelming. Like that emotionally, it was overwhelming. Bells and whistles didn't really start going off. Alarms didn't start going off until I got the phone call that he had been fired from his job. I was working the night shift in a ER that's, it's pretty hectic. Um, And I got like four or five calls from him like in a row. He had left a frantic voicemail and he's like bawling and I'd never heard him cry or anything like that. And he's like bawling into the phone and he's just, I've lost my job. They fired me. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, like, I mean, it was just, it was incredibly, it made me scared. Like I thought something terrible had happened, you know? Um, And then when I found out it was, he'd been let go. Of course, I had questions why and what happened and stuff. But obviously, I was at work. So I didn't get to ask until the following day. And when I text, I texted him that night and was like, I'm so sorry. Like, as soon as I'm done here, I will come to your place and we can talk about it. And so I thought everything was copacetic. I thought, you know, he understood like, okay, like I'll, I'll, I'm at work right now, but I will be there as soon as I can. And then the next morning, I'm trying to call him on my way to his apartment, which is like a good 45 minute drive. I called probably 10 times. I mean, too many times, too, too many times. And when I got there, he was just like, oh, it's nice that you would show up. You couldn't be here for me like when I was so upset last night. And it was like, like I can't, I can't just like if somebody had died, maybe if there had been an accident and you were injured, absolutely. But I can't just leave work because somebody's having a, I mean, it's a, I don't want to say losing your job is not a big deal. It's a big deal. I tried to be very understanding. And then none of the questions that I answered really got, or none of the questions I asked got answered. It was, 
I was like, okay, well, what happened? And it was like, I've worked for these people for 10 plus years, you know? And it was like, okay, well, had you gotten written up before? Like, what was it a big mistake? Did you make like a huge monetary mistake? And it was like, I just can't believe that they have no loyalty. Like, there was never like an actual, this is what happened. And this is why I was let go. At the time, I just thought he was so upset that he couldn't focus on the question. It came across as, I'm upset that I lost my job. And I know that when you get upset like that, sometimes it's hard to see anything other than what is happening to you in that moment. I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. It was a little fishy, and I did have some gut feeling like, uh, like just answer the question, you know, but at the same time, I kind of let it go. So what was the reason that he got fired? He came into work drunk. Oh, had you guys been together that night before? So no, um, we lived separately. We, uh, in fact, I found out about why he got fired after we moved in together I worked a week on nights and then I had a week off. So it was five days on, five days off. And when I was off work, we spent a lot of time together. But when I was on work, because it was a night shift, we kind of, we would see each other for a week and then like not see each other for a week. Yeah. And I found out later that the weeks that we weren't together, he was out partying every single night. So he had a double life. Yes, 100%. But I didn't know any of that until after we signed a lease and moved in together. Okay. So, and he was able to find a job relatively quickly. So he lost his job. He was very upset about it for like 48 hours, but he had savings and he had enough savings that he could have lived by himself for a year if he had needed to. And he found a job within one week of being fired. Like that's how big and awesome his personality was. Like he got fired for coming into work drunk. He had already gone through an AA program because he had come into work drunk before. And if, you know, in in the state of California, if you find out that somebody has a substance problem and they're not performing, you have to give them the opportunity for treatment before let, letting them go. And so that was the policy anyway. And so he had already had the opportunity for treatment. And this was like the fourth or fifth time that he had shown up to like meetings and stuff still hammered from like the night before. We moved in together probably six months after he lost his job. So a couple months after he lost his job, I had this vacation planned. It was just like a four-day vacation, and we were going to go down to the beach and just have a girls' shopping brunch. I mean, you know, like just lazy, fun girls' vacation. And he was like super supportive, and he even bought me books to take with me. There was one book in particular that he had bought me. Because I had mentioned to him that I was really excited to read it. So he was very supportive about me going. But he also was contacting me the whole time and kind of giving attitude that my attention wasn't like 110% on him, like when he was contacting me. So it was like, 
hot and cold, you know, like, I'm so excited you get to go, but wait a second, you're not with me and I miss you so much. You know, how come you're not talking to me for hours, you know, on end on your vacation? And it's like, cause it's four days. Like I can't spend four hours on the phone while I'm trying to hang out with people that I haven't seen since college, you know? So how did your family and friends like him? Um, that's the other thing. Like my girlfriend who gave him the nickname Jersey, like she couldn't put her finger on why she was just like, I don't like him. He gives me the creeps. Like, no, my dad was really leery of him just because I think my dad being from the Midwest and him being from up North, he was kind of like, man, they all have, you know, like he, he, he was kind of being judgmental. (laughs) My brother and my sister's And all my other girlfriends, they were enamored by him. I mean, they just thought he was like the cat's meow. He wasn't going to be ignored. Like if he came in a room, he was going to be the center of attention. After you guys moved in together, you know, how did that go? Well, um, at first it was really great because he would book massages, like couple massages for us, like on the weekend, if I had like a really long and my weekends weren't always on Friday and Saturday, sometimes it was a Monday, Tuesday, or a Wednesday, Thursday, that sort of thing. So I mean, he always like made time for those weekends to be special. Um, and at first, like I was really excited about it, because what girl is not going to be excited about a guy who's spending tons of time and money on her. It didn't really start getting on my radar that this might be like to mold me into something that I wasn't until I realized like, I don't really care for hair extensions, but this is the second time I've been talked into them. Or I really don't want to get a spray tan, you know, and this is the third one he's bought for me. Or I'm really not into wearing dresses every day. I like wearing yoga pants, Mm -hmm. tennis shoes, and a sweatshirt. I was kind of being turned into his little Barbie. I mean, yeah, like there were other talks too, like, and I, I didn't realize it at the time, but he would say things like, you know, I'm really not against Botox. Or like, if you really wanted to get your eyeliner tattooed on, that would be something that I could totally pay for. Oh my God, what? Yeah, it was very like... (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) And it wasn't something that I would bring up. It would just be like, oh, you know, like, it looks like Kim Kardashian had her nose done or something. Oh, I, I, you know, I'm not the type of guy that's against that. You can do whatever you want to stay young and youthful. And if it makes you feel good about yourself, like it's totally worth it to me. It's like the opposite of what you want your man to be saying to you. You want your man to be like, baby, you're so gorgeous and you don't need Botox. Like that's what every man really should be saying. (laughs) He was really like into me, but it really, he was into like what I looked like to other people. Mm -hmm. Does that, I mean... Does that make sense, I guess, in a way? like He wanted you to be his trophy. Yes, yes. And after we moved into each other, it was like, why don't you take a shorter shift at work? Why don't you cut back on hours? Like, how come you can't find a job where you're only working two days a week? So it was like kind of maneuvering me in a place to be more dependent upon him And me believing that traditional 
is best was best from a very secular point of view, not like an actual like biblical point of view, but like from a very secular point of view, I was like, oh man, he just really wants to take care of me. And that's great. Like, I, you know, like I want to be taken care of. Some of those things didn't register until I found myself not working and completely dependent on him. I feel like that's such a tactic. And then to make, we didn't really talk about it, but like, how were your finances together? Were you guys splitting everything or was he expecting you to pay the same amount that he was? I wish that I had learned earlier than, you know, 32, that just because a guy wants you to treat him like you're his wife and he's your husband, like it doesn't actually make him your husband and you his wife. I kind of was enamored with the fact that he wanted to share everything. I mean, I was financially in a very good place. He was probably in a better place just because he hadn't been through a divorce or anything like that yet. He um, came in and was just like, okay, we're going to do this apartment together. I want to live with you. Like, will you, like, he asked me, will you move in with me? Like, it was very romantic. And then he found the place. And then he kind of asked me a couple baseline questions about income. And so when I came into the relationship, we didn't really have any separation of like funds. Like he knew all of my passwords and stuff to my banking and I knew all of his to his banking, but we weren't married. We had access to each other's stuff, but like if he had died, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been entitled to, you know, any of his financial assets. And if I, same with me, if I had died, he wouldn't have been, you know, able to have any of my assets either. So we weren't splitting anything at all. We were kind of just, as it came, whoever was there took care of it. I found out very quickly that he drank a lot more than I realized. He um, ended up losing his job again. Second job that he lost. He had come on and I guess he failed his like 90 days. You have a 90 day review and at the end of the 90 days, they told him, your work ethic is great, but we can't have somebody come in who is inebriated all the time. And so at this point, he's jobless again. I'm realizing how much he is drinking, but I haven't put two and two together. I'm just like, oh man, like maybe he's, this is how he blows off steam. Like it was more than what I was comfortable with, but it wasn't enough for me to say, okay, well, is this a problem? Like, do we have a problem? And at the time I was still working quite a bit. So I hadn't cut any of my hours down yet or anything like that. He didn't want to blow through all of his savings. So we ended up breaking the lease that we were in and moving to a different apartment that was just as nice, but it just wasn't in as nice of an area. We're going on month four of him not having a job. So we've been living together for about six months now. His personality changed. He was never available when I was trying to get a hold of him, but he always wanted attention from me. And I was starting to get exhausted. He was going out a lot. He wasn't really trying to hide that he was going out anymore. And so I quickly found out he had lost his job due to drinking. And it came out because he was drunk. Like, oh, okay, well, now not only is he jobless, but I would also be leaving somebody who might have a problem, you know, and what kind of person 
am I <laughs> if um, I love this person and I've just decided to cut and run? That was a very difficult place to be in. And I probably should have, looking back, said, okay, like these, these are problems that are too big for me to solve. At the time, I wasn't thinking that way. I was thinking, I want to get married. I want to have babies. I want this to work out. I don't want another failed relationship. I don't want to be called heartless for leaving somebody at their worst. And so I sucked it up and (laughs) stayed. It was kind of a a jarring experience because in a way I felt shocked again and a little betrayed. Like it was like, my ex-husband all over, you know, again, where it's like, oh, by the way, I want to go. Oh, by the way, I was let go because of this, not because, you know, there's a loyalty issue or whatever. What do you do with something like that? You just, we were moving forward for, for better, or for worse, without the rings, without the, <laughs> without the actual commitment. Were you guys talking about getting married and all of that during this time? Obviously, wasn't the best time to get married considering he just lost his job. But at the same time, I know that was something you really wanted. Well, and it's something that he had said that he really wanted. But that's part of the personality change. It went from all this affection and attention to me not being there for him emotionally. And I was really trying my best. Like, I can't say I was perfect or that I handled every crisis the best way possible. But I really was trying. I thought I was still being as intentional and as caring as I was from day one. But he felt like he would say, you're not 120% in. And because you're not 120% in, I don't know if I love you anymore. I don't know if I want to get married anymore. I mean, I don't know because, you know, you, you've given me all these, you know, reasons to question like your value, your worth in this relationship. And so like, you're going to have to prove it to me now. I kind of went from like, wait a second, like I haven't changed at all. I'm being steadfast in my personality and the things that I can offer. Like you're the one who said, this is it. You know, you're the one who, who was like, let's jump in all the way. I mean, I thought I was being gracious by sticking it out with somebody who had just admitted to me that they got fired not once, but twice. He's like, no, no, like you're the problem. You need to be here for me more. And I really honestly didn't know how to be there more. The drinking never really stopped. He would say, okay, I won't drink until 6 p.m. And then when 6 p.m. hit, he basically drank until he went to sleep. And sometimes I would stay up and watch a movie with him. Sometimes we would go out. Sometimes I would have a drink with him, maybe two drinks with him if we were going to like a bar or to dinner or something like that. But there were a lot of nights where I would go to bed at 9 p.m., 10 p.m. He would stay up on his Xbox, basically just drinking and playing video games until he crashed. We got invited to a wedding. We went together. We had RSVP'd like six months prior. He got extremely wasted at the wedding. So much so that the father of the groom came up to me and said, this guy is trash. Leave him. And I was just shocked because first of all, this guy was like 60 something years old. 
And secondly, like I had never met him before. I was like, man, those are really strong words from a complete stranger. You know, he was so belligerently drunk that night that he hit on another girl, called me names, which he had never really done before. On our way home, he stole a bottle from behind the liquor table, brought it in the car. So it's an open container in the car. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, we're not doing that. So he chugs whatever was in the bottle. And I don't know why he said it or what. I mean, at this point, I was so mad I wasn't talking to him. He called me the C word. And it was because I wouldn't do the chicken dance. So at this point, I was like not speaking to him. And in the car, he says, you're not as good. You're not as pretty. You're not as fun as my ex-girlfriend. He told me that, you know, they had been on and off again since he was like 16. She was the love of his life. Like I would never compare and that I should just stop trying. And I know that that's got to be some drunk talk. You know, like I know that this is some inebriation. I know he probably wasn't in his right frame of mind. But I mean, they say that your inhibitions are cleared for a reason. And so all I could think the whole way home was, is I cannot wait to pack my bags. I cannot wait to pack my bags. I cannot wait to pack my bags. He's going to pass out. I'm going to pack my bags and he's going to wake up and I'm not going to be there. You know, and there's there's not going to be an explanation. There doesn't need to be an explanation. There were enough witnesses at the wedding that somebody somewhere is going to say, like, dude, you were a jerk and you need to, like, clean, clean it up. Get yourself together, you know. And so we get back to the apartment complex. I park the vehicle. Just like I said, he passed out in the car. Now, he's 6'2". He weighs 225 pounds. At the time, I'm, you know, 5'1". I weigh 115 pounds. Like, there's no way that I'm getting him into the apartment. Thank goodness it was his vehicle and not mine. And so I just left him in the car. I left him in the car. I cracked a window. (laughs) I mean, I was like, I don't, I mean, he wouldn't like wait. I kind of nudged him a little bit. He wouldn't wake up or anything like that. And um, yeah, I just was like, okay, I'm going to start packing. So I get in that apartment. My best friend calls me. She's like, what, what's up with Jersey? What was up with Jersey tonight? Like, why did he behave that way? I let her know what happened. And she's like, no, like, you're not just going to disappear into the night, like pack your bags, be ready. And when he wakes up the next day, let him know, like, I'm not paying for this lease. I'm not paying for another thing. She was like, change your pin, change your passwords, like, let there be closure. You've never had closure in any relationship, like just for yourself, give it some closure. He came up the next morning about noon, I want to say, maybe 1 p.m. I mean, it was it was a long time. <laughs> he slept that whole time in the car? Yeah, from like oh midnight to like 1 p.m. the next day, right? Before I could even get a word in, he immediately was like, you're disgusting for leaving me out in the car. Who treats somebody like that? You know, I would have taken care of you. And I tried to say, well, hey, like, this is how you treated me. And he was like, 
doesn't matter. Like, you know, I wasn't in my right mind. You know, I was drinking. You're the jerk and I should break up with you. I should break up with you. But I understand that, you know, you're just not made from the same cloth that I am. So I'm going to give you this like one freebie pass and uh, I'm not going to break up with you. And I was like, well, okay, because I I'm leaving. <laughs> like that's that's totally fine because I'm out the door. And then it turned into this like four hour fight, probably because I felt like I needed to be right, you know, and I wasn't going to be wrong in another relationship. Maybe I don't know. But we ended up in this fight and it ended with him saying, like, I'm going to get help. I need to get help. You're right. This is not how we should we should be functioning together. I didn't expect that. You know, I didn't expect for you to say, I have a drinking problem. I'm sorry. And uh, I need to I need to get sober. It changed the oomph <laughs> that I had had. And so I stayed. I stayed for another three days. I'll never forget it. He'll, he came home. It was a Tuesday evening, but he came back from being out with one of his best buds and they had been day drinking and the day drinking had turned into night drinking. And I confronted him because he had said some more stuff about his ex-girlfriend, his ex on and off again girlfriend. He had done it this time sober. He had said, made some comparisons. And so I had stewed on it like pretty much all day, like at work and stuff. I was like, I'm going to get some answers. I said, hey, what's going on with these comparisons? Like, are you talking to her still? Because this is twice now in 72 hours that you've brought her up. And he got so defensive like that. And when I say explosive, I mean explosive. We had like a coat rack thing on the wall and he like ripped it off the wall and threw it down the hallway. He was calling me again, disgusting, a monster. How dare I bring something like that up? Stupid for even questioning something like that. Like we're living together. He's changing for me. And it was just, it was awful. I mean, it was, it was a hundred percent awful. And I left the room thinking, He's just more drunk than he let on. And he came around the corner into the bedroom, hands stretched out in front of him. And he grabbed me by the neck and started shaking me so hard that my feet came off the ground. He pushed me up against the closet door frame. We didn't have a door on the closet. It was just a frame. And he was basically like banging my head against the door frame screaming at me like this close to my face and I must have scared him because I started crying just shock crying and he immediately let go like nothing happened and I like sunk down onto my bottom like up against the door frame and just started sobbing and he turned around walked back across the room pulled his pants down in the corner and peed on the carpet, walked three steps into the living room, fell face first on the couch and went to sleep. And I just sat there frozen thinking, is he going to get up? Is he going to get up? And I finally got up and I shut the bedroom door and I locked it and I started packing my bags 
And I called my girlfriend that night, same girlfriend that called him Jersey. And she came and she picked me up that evening. And I left while he was passed out on the couch. That was his first time that he got physical with you. And it was like, there was never a slap. There was never a pinch. There was never a kick. There was never a push. It was hands around the neck first time. After you left with your friend, what state of mind were you in? You know, what happened next? I mean, I called into work the next day and didn't go. I went back and forth on whether or not I should make a police report. My friend was very adamant that I should make a police report. She had gone to school for criminal justice. And so she was coming at it from like, if you don't make a report, then it'll never be out there that this guy can be violent like that. What happens to the next girl? Like, I know you didn't, you weren't injured. And for all intents purposes, I mean, I had some bruises and a knot on the back of my head. It wasn't like I had a big black eye or something. To have bruises on your body at all or to have a lump on your head because your significant other slammed you against the wall, I mean, equally as bad as a black eye. In fact, it's worse because no one can see it. So it's more hidden. Well, he had put his like the way that his hands were around my neck. I had two like thumb bruises, like two, like right there kind of around where my collarbone was. So my girlfriend did take pictures of that. And she said, I just want to make a note in my phone. I just want to make sure it's here. If you don't make a report. And I think I was just so embarrassed. I just wanted it to be over. I immediately went to work the following day. I mean, I took one day off and then the next day I went in and asked for them to elongate my shift again. And I basically threw myself into work and pretended like it never happened. That was my state of mind. If I don't talk about it, it didn't happen to me. And I think I blamed it on the alcohol. He lost it because he has a drinking problem. He needs help for his drinking problem. He's an addict. And that was my mindset. Like, not that he was abusive. He's an addict. Did you guys have no contact after you left? For two, two and a half weeks, I did not speak to him at all. I took a pregnancy test. And it was positive. Positive. 